Let's turn in our Bibles to the portion we were reading this morning and keep your marker in there. We'll be moving around a little today. Remember last week we began looking at steps of obedience following the evangelistic meetings in which we're exhorted to trust in the Lord as our Saviour and then live the Christian life. And let's, as we started last week, do what James tells us to do and just do it. (laughs) That's what the scriptures there tell us in James 1, our reading from last week. Engraft the word, engage the word, endure in the word and exemplify the word. That was from James last week. And from that we went on to look at our obedience to obey the gospel. The first step of obedience to obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it tells us very clearly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8 that we are to obey the gospel. To be saved, you've got to do that. And when I say do it, it's not a work. The work's been done. We have to obey the death, burial and resurrection and believe that for our eternal salvation. Now, what would you say is the next growth aspect, the next step of obedience that we need to do as a believer? We're saved. New Christian. What's next? Acts chapter 8 tells us about it. Baptism. Thank you. (laughs) It's baptism. That is a step of obedience, you know. It's not a thing, oh, well, I think I'll do it. I can get away without doing it. Yeah, you can. But it is the primary step of obedience. Which would you say comes first? Worship or obedience? Remember our reading from 1 Samuel 15 about Saul last week? Obedience. And I would say when we talk about baptism... That's obedience before we worship the Lord. I know it's tied pretty close together. I remember saying once, if a person's not baptized, should they partake of the Lord's Supper? And I did, I cop it afterward (laughs) from somebody that was in the congregation that day. You see, I believe the Lord's Supper is worshiping the Lord, adoring him. Baptism is obedience. And I think the baptism should come as a priority Very close on the heels of salvation. And if we're not being taught that, maybe we haven't done that. And I remember I wasn't taught that. I was saved at 12, but baptized at 18. So we have six years between the two. But baptism is a step, as we'll see this morning, of obedience. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the word today. Heavenly Father, we praise you that we can come and worship you. We can follow through these steps to walk hard after you, Lord, to do what's pleasing, to be obedient to our newfound faith as we have obeyed the gospel. May we continue to obey the scriptures and follow on. Lord, not not slack off and not back off as even the Hebrews did, as we discovered this morning in our Sunday school lesson but Lord move forward and grow in Christ and a lot of immaturity in the church and in Christians life Lord we know is because we don't 
follow on in obedience. We don't get into the word of God. May we do that this morning. Lord, we do pray for the coming weeks and the different things that are happening and the meetings, Lord, that your blessing would be upon these and, Lord, we'd see uh, unsafe people in attendance and would hear the good news of the gospel spread. And, Lord, that we Christians might be strengthened and take opportunity at this time of the year to, to bring you the glory by spreading the good news of salvation. Lord, we pray for those that can't be with us because of sickness. And Lord, strengthen them, raise them up, that they may be with us again, Lord. And we, we pray, Lord, for the Lewis family, that they particularly, the, the young ones, might be uh, well again and be able to enjoy their grandparents there in Armadale. Lord, we, we commit this study and time to you, and may we fellowship around the person and his work, the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> now, it is one of those subjects that we look at this morning <coughs> that we need to grow from and out of. Because in Hebrews, uh, it talks about that. Not talking about baptism and the work of Christ, but move forward. Grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can read it there. It is important, but it is a fundamental it's a basic and we need to move on but we do the basics that today again step of obedience secondly submission if you've got your outline there in the bulletin you'll find it my my notes are a lot rougher than the way elise puts this down it, it you can understand that when she writes it if you try to read my notes she wouldn't be able to understand it but <clears throat> salvation but <laughs> Believing by faith last week, submission through the obedience of baptism. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Keep your marker there and John will be back. <laughs> Matthew chapter 28, sorry, <laughs> verse 19. Right at the end of the book of Matthew, <clears throat> you have the great commission given. And here it tells us about baptism right in this commission as we go out and share the good news of the gospel we are to do something and it's right there when I get to it go ye therefore teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things you see there's a progression here salvation baptism teaching <laughs> to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age the end of the world God's going to be with the churches, the Christians that teach and do this. But go ye therefore and teach. Now, that is a command. Go ye is a command. And what do you do with commands? <laughs> what should you do with commands? Obey them. If you're in the army, you learn that well. And maybe it'd be good to everyone, like in Israel, to go through the army for three years. To give them that sense of obedience to orders. But God here says go ye therefore teach all nations and baptize them so it is a command to be baptized so what do we do we obey if we're saved new christians in christ we get baptized <laughs> the commission to the church here <clears throat> if you go back to first peter chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21 if you're not baptized, if you haven't obeyed that command 
and you happen to die before, does it mean you won't go to heaven? No. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> no, thank you. Maybe the air condition is too loud. <laughs> but <clears throat> no, here in First Peter chapter 3, And verse 20, just checking it's the right one, who sometime <clears throat> were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, in, it, in which few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. You can see where some people go with this, can't you? Saved by water. <laughs> wow, that means you're saved by baptism. No, keep reading. The like figure unto which even baptism does also now save us. It's even getting harder to refute that salvation is dependent upon baptism. As you read on, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. That can only be done by the blood of Christ. So you see, baptism is not what saves us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is the answer of a good conscience that I have obeyed the Lord and followed him in that step of obedience. So why we should be baptized? Because it's a command of the Lord, an answer of a good conscience. And we know that people go to heaven who are not baptized but who are believing. How can we prove that from scripture? The thief on the cross, I heard someone. The thief on the cross was not baptized and the Lord said to him, today you will be in paradise, with me in paradise. <clears throat> Why? Oh, but who should be baptized? Well, we go through this on different occasions, but turn to Acts chapter 8. And this is the favorite one we read at baptisms down there at the river. I love doing it at the river. I think it's really authentic, isn't it? baptisms down there <clears throat> and, and and we can say that the the Murray River is uh, yeah I can say it because I've seen it is cleaner than the Jordan River the Jordan River has got a lot of lime in it it's very green a light green color and you can't see very far in it at all but here here you can see it down three feet in Albury not down, not down at Adelaide but uh, it's not going to wash away the sins, even if it's dirty water or clean water. <laughs> and we can go down there at the river, which is far bigger than the Jordan River. <laughs> it's really just a, well, it's a river, but it's a stream. In places it's wide because it's going, flowing slow. Where it's flowing fast, it's not wide at all. It, it's fast, but it's, it's not wide. And here these, they hadn't gathered at the Jordan. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. But here's the Ethiopian eunuch. He just heard the gospel. He had had it explained to him from Isaiah 53. And he's, you know, who, who is he speaking of in the context here? He asked uh, Philip and he said, the Lord Jesus Christ and preached unto him Jesus. And he asked the question, you know, what does hinder me to be baptized in verse 36? And 37, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, who can be baptized? 
clearly stated in the scripture. They that believe. That disqualifies infant baptism immediately. And I can't understand how the Presbyterian church, now it's not all of them, some of them immerse, (laughs) can sprinkle the babies and say they're baptised. It gives them no merit before God. In fact, it gives them a false sense of security if in the future they, the parents say, you know, we baptised you, you're going to heaven. And some parents dare to do that, not knowing the Bible doesn't say that. And it's a dangerous thing to say that to children. They have this confidence in a work done by somebody else for them to get to heaven. They can, we can't even work our own way to heaven, let alone do it for somebody else. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. So who? Believers only. Why? To obey. When? Well, after you've believed, after salvation. And that's uh, very plainly put there in chapter 2 of the book of Acts and verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They had received the word. They had obeyed the gospel. They got baptized. (laughs) And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls in that portion so when after one has believed and received the word and what is it all about what is baptism about this step of obedience is following the lord after salvation in the obedience of baptism it's about identifying with the lord jesus christ identification it's about declaring our faith to an unbelieving world and to the believing world as well i declare that i am saved And not so much in our country, but in countries where Christians are persecuted, it's quite a step, the step of of baptism, because you can lose your life, you can lose your job, you can be kicked out of your family. You've done it. You've taken that step publicly. And unsaved people or religious people uh, uh, can see that and will come down on you like a ton of bricks. And we know... And have heard testimony of many who have identified with the Lord in baptism and have been severely persecuted after that. And how is one baptized? Well, back there in Acts chapter 8 and verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And so they couldn't get into a little font, could they? (laughs) That's in the church on a little stool. I remember we had a wedding in one of the, the other churches that do the sprinkling bit. And um, we come across this, this, this thing with a, a tub on top. And uh, we moved it. <gasps> Sacrilegious act. We moved it and we moved other stuff. And then we had another wedding there not long after that. And they specifically told us, don't move anything. <laughs> You desecrated the place. Oh, for crying out aloud, you know. It's only a thing, a bit of wood or brass, and it's not even scriptural. Do you want me to throw it out? That's what we should have done. <laughs> We'd have never been allowed to have another wedding in that place. Anyway, they do the dip in and the holy water, and they do that. You know, it's not on, is it? I like what the Lord said to, to Peter. There. <clears throat> Peter said, wash me all over. 
No, you've already been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You just need to have a, a wash. If you're going to use a basin to wash, it's after you're saved just to confess your sins and get right with God on a daily basis. Isn't that true? The next step of obedience. We've trusted the Lord for salvation, but obeyed the gospel. The next step, we've obeyed the command to be baptized. Where will we move from there as a new Christian? Sanctification. You should <laughs> reading your notes there. <laughs> That's the trouble, at least, with having these notes. <laughs> they all know where I'm going or if I'm about to finish the sermon. But as you've already found, I finish halfway through a sermon, don't I? <laughs> it, because I know I get some stares or folks going to sleep otherwise. <laughs> but sanctification by surrendering to the scriptures and the spirit of God. Let's look at a few of these verses that are listed here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Second <clears throat> Timothy. Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. Yet we're going on to perfection. We're being sanctified. And so here it tells us that the scriptures are that which sanctify us. How many after you were saved? If you're an older person, it's probably more, um, you're more aware of it. After you were saved, you start reading the Bible. Oh, I've got to stop doing that. I've got to stop doing this. I've got to start doing this and the other and stop doing that. How many had that effect, that scriptures had that effect on you? There's a few sanctified people here. <laughs> it, it should have that effect on us, shouldn't it? And even as older Christians, it has that effect. We, well, I hadn't seen that before. Why? Because the Spirit of God is using the scriptures of God to do a work of sanctification to make us more like him as the scriptures say from glory to glory moving us forward in our Christian life as brother Dunn was exhorting us to do there and the book of Hebrews does very much those Christians, those Hebrew Christians are losing the plot and how many does it happen to us even today we lose the plot. We get saved. We're all excited. We get baptized. We start reading the word. It has a change. And after about the honeymoon, after the honeymoon, <laughs> honeymoons last 18 months, they say. <laughs> it should go on for the life. But after three, four, five years, it starts a cooling effect. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and we can't be taught. God doesn't want us to get to that point. He wants us always to be growing in the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> I'll get ahead of myself here. By the scriptures, by the spirit of God in our reading this morning. <clears throat> no, close to where our reading was this morning. In John's gospel, chapter 16 and verse 7. We, 7 through to 11. Nevertheless, I tell you a tr the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. You see, the Lord had taken on the form of a man. He'd taken on a mortal body. So he could only be in that mortal body at one place at one time. But the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God come, came, he can be everywhere 
at the same time working in many people. I'm not saying, you see, in, in Christ being deity, he can be that. But in ministry, he said, if I don't go away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will reprove the, the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And it explains that a little bit following. But the Spirit of God. Has the Spirit spoken to you lately to be sanctified, <clears throat> to be set apart? Do we grieve the Spirit? Do we quench the Spirit by, by our disobedience? You see, the, the, the Christian walk should be a slow, steady, uphill going toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we plateau and then we start going down. And we can become carnal in our, in our thinking and in our life. And we go back to the old ways that uh, Brother Dunn was speaking about this morning. The old ways that we can slip back into so easily. The, the, the body likes that. It's, it's prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, said the songwriter. Uh, <clears throat> so, by the scriptures, by the Spirit of God, from sinners... And sin. This is sanctification away from sin and sinners. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9 to 12. There we read, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, and sodomy, nor abusers of themselves with mankind fit into the same category, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners, nor in, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. Now, Corinthians was a corrupt, morally corrupt city. And Paul could say, such were some of you. And our society is morally bankrupt. And getting worse every day. <laughs> but ye Christians are washed. Ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. All things are lawful for <laughs> unto me. But all things are not expedient. Even some things that are lawful for me to do as a Christian, I cannot do because I'm a Christian. I'm sanctified and I'm not going to... Um, <clears throat> put a younger Christian into doubt about what they should and shouldn't be doing by doing something that's doubtful. I'm not going to offend a younger or weaker brother. I'm going to walk in the Lord sanctified for his glories. Second Timothy speaks of it too. And in First Thessalonians chapter 4, First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1 to 4 we read, furthermore then when we we beseech you brethren and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as you have received of us how you ought to walk there's a difference once you become a Christian and to please God so you would abound more and more grow in this keep going forward abound for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus what do we just look at there command it's a command to be sanctified this is not just should I or shouldn't I do it. You do it. It's a commandment. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. 
Here's a command to be sanctified, that you should abstain from fornication. And uh, you can read on there. But it, just looking at that verse to show that it is for the Saviour's sake that we obey his command of sanctification. <clears throat> there are three ways, and you've heard these things before, if you've been around for long, to be sanctified. And you've got to, got to write some things in that, fill in the blanks. First of all, we are positionally sanctified. I've, I've likened this to, uh, just the thought come to me, of iron ore. Mr. Hancock, wasn't it, was flying his little aeroplane and he went the wrong way and he saw all this red stuff down there, <laughs> rusty looking stuff. And now he, now his, he, his wife, isn't it, is a billionaire and owns the biggest, more land than anyone in Australia and what's her name? Gina Heinrich, Reinhardt, Reinhardt, yeah. Um, and he saw that stuff there in the ground and he, he went back and found it and uh, dug it up. And that's what they do. Billions of tons go out of our country just as ore. What a shame we don't do it all here. I don't know why we don't just melt it down and make it into product. But it goes over there, most of it, some of it's here. You can see it being smelted down if you go to Wollongong or that. And it's it's a it's an education to go and look at it. Ore and rubbish, all your rubbish collections of steel go in this big furnace and it melts it in, in minutes, just minutes. And they pour it into big ignits, don't they call them something like that? Great big wide, thick, heavy, red hot steel going through and being made into the right shape, big chunks of steel, others and smaller and they send them out and they usually go on the train <laughs> and and then they make them into smaller bits they stretch them they make but they go into the furnace and sanctification process is a bit like that we were all in the ground of this world we were dug up we got saved <laughs> we put on the train oh, we sing that don't we <laughs> in Sunday school and um, no we don't I don't think we've got that one Happy Day Express, there you go, we have. And uh, get on the Happy Day Express, yes. Out of Australia, over to China. <laughs> this, this illustration falls down big. <laughs> but we there get smelted down. When we get saved, we get smelted down. And all through our Christian life, we're being smelted, you know. <laughs> we're being heated up and cooled down. Heated up and cooled down. Quenched in oil, quenched in carbon to make us what God wants us to be. That is a process. Didn't Job say that? How does he put it? Um, help me. <laughs> I've got it written down. Proverbs 17 and verse 3. If somebody like John could read that to us, <laughs> he'll find it as we're looking. But it's a process of being smelted the whole Christian life. And being warmed up to the point that the dross comes off. Have you seen them do that with gold? It, it be, been, they had a big guard between us and the gold. It was a physical where they did it at, there at Ballarat. And they put the stuff in there and it melts down. And all the slag, we say slag, comes to the top. 
and they scrape that off. Same with the ore. All the rubbish is gotten rid of. And so in our Christian life, the Lord smelts us down. That's progressive sanctification. Progressively, we're being sanctified. So positionally, upon salvation, we're dug up, we're sent off to the smelter. <laughs> and then throughout life, we're smelted. Jo- it says there... 17.3? Yes. The thinning pot is the silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. The Lord, yep. Put into the furnace, the Lord trieth the hearts. And it's not the one I was thinking of of Job, <laughs> but it's the, it's the one that I chose there. Job said, though he tried me, I shall, that's it. <laughs> though he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's put in the furnace. We're tried in the furnace of life. We're, we're put through circumstance. And the Lord knows who can take what at what time in their experience as a Christian. Yes, salvation. Positionally dug up and set apart for the Lord. Taken out of the world, as it were, into becoming a son of God. In Hebrews 10.10 it reads, By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. In um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I think we're there just a bit ago in chapter 6 and verse 11. We read this. And such was, yes we were here, but such were some of you, ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's salvation positionally by Christ. We were once darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. Then progressively, <clears throat> we are sanctified. You've seen a new Christian and just become a Christian. Sometimes I'll have uh, different things. Uh, you know, if you smoke, you think you're okay if you clean up and eat a mint or something like that don't worry those that don't smoke and smell it (laughs) it's in the clothes isn't it it's in the house it's in the furniture you can wave it you can turn the air conditioner and blow it out but a young christian look when a person becomes a christian there are things that habits that sometimes die hard and sometimes it's harder for others than than others sometimes people can kick the habit a lot quicker but it's progressively. And we shouldn't be as older and mature Christians jumping all over a new Christian saying you've got to be fully sanctified now. <laughs> like me. Yeah, hey, if the Lord did that to us, we'd be zapped too. <laughs> because we aren't there yet. You know, are we there yet? None of us are there. If we were there yet, we wouldn't be sitting in a pew here. We'd be sitting on one in heaven. We're still a work in progress. We still need some more smelting down <clears throat> by the Spirit of God, through the grace of God. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 16, we read this, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That means we can be unholy. We can go back in and slip into the old ways. Be ye holy, for I am holy. <clears throat> Peter was told in Luke 22 verse 31, by the Lord Jesus, Satan hath desi- desired thee to sift thee, <laughs> to put you in the furnace again, to, to run you through the steel mill again. By the Spirit of God. In, in John's Gospel, chapter 17, the Gospel of John 17 from our reading, this is from our reading this morning. 
17 and verse 15 there through to 19. We read, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from the evil. That's sanctification. The Lord Jesus said, when a person gets saved, I'm not going to take him home to heaven. He would like to, but he's going to leave us down here. But he's going to keep us from the evil in the world. Sanctification. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, said the Lord Jesus. They're in it, but not of it. Sanctifieth them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That's it. Sanctification progressively. Be patient with one another. <laughs> the Lord is working on us all. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, Paul said for them, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Progressively becoming like him. And then thirdly, permanently sanctified. If you want to read through the book of Romans, positionally, Romans 1 to 5. Progressively, Romans 6 and 7. Permanently, Romans chapter 8. That's what it speaks about in that. And that's what Paul is, you can see, you're developing the theme of progressive obedience there. And thirdly, we are to be permanently sanctified one day. That's in the future. That's glorification. That's in the future, not today. Maybe today. <laughs> what does that song say? Maybe today the Lord will come for me. None of us here are permanently sanctified. Well, we're, we're on the road, <laughs> but we're not there yet. It's like the children, are we there yet? No, we're still all here. We're still, still a thousand miles from our destination. <laughs> no, <laughs> how far is heaven away? Probably outside the galaxies. That's a long, long way away. <laughs> but we know all the prophecies concerning that. In John's Gospel, I mean, in First John three, verse two and three, it says, "Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is." And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So the prospect of permanent, complete sanctification helps us to live a purified life in progressive sanctification down here. But it is yet future. There is one of the independent Baptist churches, one of the first in Victoria, that grew quickly grew large a preacher started preaching sinless perfection that church is no longer we cannot get there now we will be there one day won't we 
we will be permanently sanctified and, and we'll be like him. And that brings the whole subject up, doesn't it? Like him. What is he like? Absolutely perfect. In heaven. Enjoying fellowship. What could he do after his resurrection? There's a few occasions that he, well, it was a, the, the days he was around here until Pentecost. And he was doing things. He, he was eating. <laughs> he was coming into rooms without the doors being opened and fellowshipping with them. He didn't have to eat, but he could. He can enjoy that. There's, there's so many things that you can think about. Being like him. No more temptation to sin. <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? For the older ones, as Mr. Dunn said, Mr. Dunn said this morning, <laughs> we increasingly desire heaven <laughs> because the old body is breaking down. And no more of that. No more sin. No, no more Satan to throw rocks at us to accuse us before God and to try to trip us up on the pathway of life. No more Satan. Permanently sanctified. Purified. But until then, we will progressively walk toward him. In Ephesians 5:27, that he might present it, the church, us people, to himself, a glorious church not having spot, that's the outside, or wrinkle, that's the inside, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. God is building the church, you and I as individuals within the church, to be spotless, the spotless bride without spot and blemish. When does this happen? Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. This permanent sanctification. Permanently sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And you'll know when you get there or already know before you get there. <laughs> this portion of what it's talking about. Paul said this to them who thought the Lord had come and they'd missed it. Because someone had deceived them and wrote a letter. <laughs> But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep, that died, that you sorrow not even as others who have no hope, the unsaved people. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also who sleep, who have died in Jesus, will God bring with him their soul and spirit. And this I say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them who are asleep or go before those who are who have died for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord and we shall be like him as John said first John said chapter 3 wherefore comfort one another with these words and all the all the Thessalonians went oh <laughs> I'm glad that I'm going to see my dead relatives again <laughs> they just understood what he just said 
They were worried they'd died and, and missed out on the Lord's coming. They must have believed in soul sleep or something, <laughs> or annihilation. But Paul set them straight here. These people were permanently sanctified at that time. For those people who have already died in Christ, they have some form of a body because they can feel the heat, dip your finger and put it on my tongue and cool my tongue. They could talk, but their resurrected body is waiting for this occasion when the Lord comes and reunites the soul and spirit of the deceased saints with their resurrected body at that time with the changed body of Christians who are still living at that time. Galatians 2.20 tells us, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, the things that get us drawn away from God, the rudiments of this world, we're dead to these things in Christ. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not? That's an ex exhortation to, to the Galatians, and it should be for us today too. <clears throat> Don't let this world get such a hold on your heart and life that you can't let it go. You know what I see? And I see the Lord is so patient and gracious with us. People get saved and things are in their life you know that are not right. But God is patient. He's working on getting rid of those, boiling them out, putting us in the furnace. But older Christians, the Lord deals more strongly with who will not let go of the world. Who, who will not be poor that they might be rich. He deals more strongly. We could say harshly, if we could say that of the Lord, doing, disciplining us as his older children. You see, your older children, they should know better, shouldn't they? The little ones can get away with a little more. <laughs> the old kids say, why are you letting him off? Well, because you're old and you should know better. <laughs> and as Christians, God deals with us because he's bringing us closer to heaven. He's getting us prepared to slip out into eternity to meet him and be like him. How's it going in the sanctification department? <laughs> you see, when the iron ore is in those big ignorance or whatever they call them, <laughs> it's just mild steel. But they go to different factories and they melt them down again and they add carbon, they quench them, they put them in. We did it when I was doing it when I did my apprenticeship as a turner and fitter and we, in the little, and we heated it up and put it into carbon and it absorbed the carbon as it slowly cooled down over a day. You had to let it go down slowly. And that becomes things you could, like gearboxes, teeth in gearboxes, hard things. Steel that could be used for other reasons. And that's where the Lord has, is at in our old age. He's fine-tuning. He's heating us up to make us brighter and better Christians in our Christian life. How's it going? Have we dropped the ball? Are we still going toward, the, toward heaven? And the things that used to charm us, used to um, get us all excited. I remember talking to Dad once. I was only a teenager and I got all excited about something and showed him and he, yeah, yeah. I thought, a bit of a dead wood. <laughs> he'd get excited about it. But he'd been there, done that, and it didn't, there was no value in it to him anymore. <laughs> and as Christians, 
you can show some excitement toward these young ones and what you've experienced they're going through. <laughs> but they'll grow and they'll become more like the Lord Jesus. May we all be that. Better today than we were yesterday for the glory of God. Not that we can work our way to heaven, but we can please the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> May we be obedient in the aspect of being sanctified. Becoming more like the Lord Jesus. The people may ask us a reason of the hope that is in us as we sanctify ourselves and we may give the testimony that the Lord deserves of himself. Now, Lord, we pray for those that have walked out on you, walked away from Christian things, that know these things as well as us. O oh, Lord, that your hand be upon them if they're your children to sanctify them and Lord if they're not saved and just know it in their head may one day they obey the gospel and become your children bless us as we go our way rejoicing in Jesus name Amen <clears throat>